Thank you for listening to our podcast today from Crossroads, South Arkansas. I am teaching Pastor David Preston, Jr. I pray that the words you hear will bring you closer to God and encourage you as you go through your day and week. Thanks again for joining us. Amen. Man, it's uh, it's been great to get to come out here and do this. This is our fourth drive-in service, and uh, we are called has been here with us for every one of them, and we're grateful for what they've done and their willingness to come out and help and serve and, and lead us in worship. And uh, it's been great getting to know them better. And uh, to get to see this family work together is a great thing. So I'm very thankful that they have, have come out and helped us. Every week I notice something different um, that we're out here. And this might have been happening the whole time, but the angle I was at today I noticed for the first time as we're sitting there singing, I see people's hands coming out of the windows and raising their hands in worship. And that might have been happening all four times, but today I noticed it from where I was standing for the first time. And myself, I had a little bit of church just seeing that. Um, it's great to see people worshiping the Lord. And when all you can see is cars, amen, when all you can see is cars, a lot of times you miss that. And things that you would normally see in a service if we were in a church building, you don't get to see out here. And so I'm so grateful that even in just weird circumstances, we still feel the Lord's presence. We still worship Him and we still praise Him and we're still here with Him. You know, I did something that seems to happen with me a lot. Um, those of y'all that, that go to our church at Crossroads uh, know this happens some. And yesterday afternoon, I, I had what I was going to speak on prepared. And I just felt like the Lord saying, change it. And I didn't want to change it. I was ready. But I felt the Lord saying, change it. And what He wanted me to change it to was something I had heard on Friday morning. And I'm like, but Lord, sorry, I said, but Lord, that's what you gave somebody else. You gave this to me and I'm ready to preach it. And he said, yeah, but they need to hear the other. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. But it was good. I sat in a Bible study Friday morning with about 30 coaches and the team chaplain from TCU led us in a Bible study. And I was sitting there writing notes like I was back in college with everything he said because it was so good. And the more I sat there, I felt like God was saying, there's somebody here today that needs to hear what I heard yesterday or on Friday. And so yesterday afternoon, I told Heather, I said, I've got to work some on my sermon. And it went into last night preparing how I wanted to share with you what was shared with me. And so we're going to go with that and share what uh, uh, Mr. Chauncey Frank shared with us and to that group of coaches on Friday morning. But I want to start with this question. I want to start by asking you this question. And here's the question that I have for you. What if we pursued God so hard that He had to answer our prayers? Have you ever pursued God so hard to answer your prayers? We go to God a lot. We ask God a lot. 
And then I think, and I know this is me personally, something I gained from that the other day, I go to God a lot and I ask Him for a lot of things, but then my time after that is filled with hoping He works it out rather than continuing to seek Him to make sure what I'm asking for is exactly what He wants for me. I ask and then wait and see, but my heart's not completely in the wait. It's not completely in making sure that's what God wants for me and making sure I'm staying in line with Him. If we ask God for something and we really need that something, He already knew it before we asked Him. He's already got a plan before we asked Him what we needed or what we were asking for. But what if we went back to Him so fervently and hard just one-on-one -on -one with God that He didn't have a choice but to answer that prayer? Have you ever sought God that hard about something? I want to talk to you about that today because here's the thing. And usually when something's going on, there's a catch to it. If you go and you seek God that hard about a decision or something going on in your life, a lot of times He's going to call you to the mat. He's going to say, if this is something going on in your life, if this is a struggle you're having in your life, if you're battling with something, a lot of times it's going to feel like you're wrestling with God. You know what you need. You know what you want. You believe you've got the answer, but it just never seems to work out the way you thought it was going to, and hardly does it ever seem to work out in the time that you want it to. And it feels like you're in a constant struggle with God, and it feels like you're needing something, you're wanting something, but you just need it now, or you need it on your time frame, and God's saying, just stick with me just a little bit longer. And He's going to see that through. You know, we're going to talk today about Jacob. And there's a Scripture in the Bible where he wrestles with God. He had things going on in his life. And God called him to the mat and said, we're going to wrestle this out. See, when you struggle in life and you're struggling with decisions and you're facing things that might not make sense and you need things on your timeline... You're wrestling with God and that's you're not the first person to go through that challenge. You're not the first person to go through that struggle. Other people have done that. The Bible gives us an example about that. Before we get into it, what do we know about Jacob? What was Jacob known for? He was known for his trickery and his deception. His character wasn't something that we would consider someone we should really follow as an example. We know that uh, he stole... And he swindled his brother Esau's birthright and his blessing. He worked out a way to get that done. We know as he grew older, he found somebody he really liked and he promised Laban that he would go and work for seven years in order to get that his daughter's hand in marriage. And after seven years, Laban did a little and said, Here, Here's my daughter. You can marry her. Except it was the oldest daughter. And Jacob really had a crush on the youngest daughter. But Laban, his now father, the way he worked, and he said, hey, I tell you what though, for seven years, I'll let you have the youngest one too. So he works for seven more years. During that time they worked, they both tried to cheat each other out of his pay. Laban was trying to trick him. 
Jacob was trying to trick Laban. They were trying to trick each other. So his character, his example, wasn't exactly great. Now, where did he come from? Jacob is Abraham's grandson. He had the line of lineage that you would want at that time. His dad was Isaac. He had exactly what he needed in terms of his life and his relationship with God. But here's what we need to see. If you go back and look through Genesis and you look at Jacob, when he would pray to God, he would always say, he would start his prayers with this, God, the God of Abraham. Go back and look. He would say, Dear God, the God of Isaac. He would always start his prayers as the God of his ancestors. He never once started his prayer as saying, My God. You see, that's what I want you to see today. We pray today and we pray to my God. He's our God. He's your God. And we can pray directly to Him. We don't have to worry about what we've done in our past because the grace that's given to us from Jesus Christ and Him dying on the cross allows us to pray directly and have that straight connection with God. Jacob didn't see that. I think Jacob knew a little bit of his past. He knew what he had done. Something in his own way. So he would pray to the God of Abraham or pray to the God of Isaac. Now when you look at the name of Jacob, there's different words. If you go look up what the name Jacob means, the first one is follower. It also means grabber. It also means deceiver. His name fits. You know, it says the first time we even hear about Jacob in the Bible is when his mom is complaining because the twins in her stomach are fighting so much. He started being rowdy before he was even born. And then it says when he came into life, when he was born, he was grabbing Esau's heel as they came out of the womb. And then his life was deceit. So he followed Esau out of the room. He grabbed his heel to, out of the room. He grabbed his heel to come out. And then he began his life of deceit. There's not much in his name that was good. But yet, here he was. Esau had told him after he stole his birthright and stole his blessing that one day he would kill him. One day he was going to get his revenge. They were separated and it came time for Jacob to go to the land that God has promised. He left his father-in-law's land, took everything he had. You know, here's the thing. God blessed Jacob even though he had his faults. When Jacob left, he had more livestock than he could have imagined having early in his life. He had everything he needed. He had two wives. He had two servant wives. He had 11 children. He was overcommitted. I can't imagine that much to have to take care of. But that's where he was. God had blessed him in his life to the land that God had promised him. Word got out that Esau was out there too. And so he sent a bribe to try to make sure Esau didn't kill him. He sent livestock. He sent animals out 
with his servants to try to get the Esau first and say, hey, your brother is sending this to you in hopes that when Esau got to him, he wouldn't kill him and hold up his end of the promise. Jacob knew what he deserved. In the process of doing that, he split up everything he had into two and he sent one direction one way, one direction was going to go the other way. And if Esau saw one of them, hopefully he would attack them and not attack his family. And it came to a point one night where Jacob sent all of his family away. They had stopped by a river. He sent his wives, his children, the rest of his livestock away. And he was left there alone for the first time in who knows how long. He was there by himself by this river. And that's where we're going to get into the Scripture. And I'm going to read to you this Scripture out of Genesis chapter 32. If I can hold my Bible pages open in the wind. Genesis chapter 32, we're going to start in verse 22 and go through 29. It says this, During the night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his eleven sons and crossed the the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all of his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? the man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. And he said, why do you want to know my name? Then he blessed Jacob there. You know, during this story, it's a short story, but how much is in there? Wouldn't you want to have been there to see what all happened? To see how this went down? To see Jacob wrestle with this man all night long to fight with him to struggle with him you ever sat up all night long with a problem and you just couldn't sleep and you fought with it and you struggled with it and you try to find peace and comfort and you just couldn't find it and the next thing you know you look at your clock and your alarm's going off in about 20 or 30 minutes and you realize you fought with something all night long. That's what Jacob did here. He fought physically with this man all night long. And it really teaches us some lessons here that we can take. Reading through that scripture, you see that Jacob went through changes. And the first point I want us to see is that God changes us through seasons of pain. When you go through pain, when you go through discomfort, when you go through seasons that you don't understand what's going on, God is changing your life. It might seem desperate. It might seem hopeless. It might seem like we don't know how this is going to end. But that's where we have to trust as Christians to know that God is changing our life. And if God is changing our life, how can it be wrong? How can it be negative? If God is changing our life, it's for our own good because He has a perfect will for each one of us. If I, David Preston, change my life, there's no telling how it's going to go. 
because I'm relying on me. But when I'm going through difficult times and difficult decisions and I realize what's going on in my life and I seek God in His direction and I'm going through pain, I know the change that's going to come out of it is God's change, which means it can only be for the good of my life. I might not see it today. I might not see it for a year. But at some point, I'm going to see that change that God had in my life. And it's going to be for the good. When Jacob fought the God here in this battle, God was changing him through the pain. I can't imagine fighting somebody all night long. Wrestling with somebody all night long. The fatigue that would set in. The pain that would set in. And God changed Jacob through this pain. The next thing I want us to see, God changes us through the pain but it's the pain that prepares us for what the change is going to be. God changes us through the pain, but the pain prepares us for what is going to change. Y'all ever heard the phrase, no pain, no gain? If you've ever played sports, if you've ever been through anything like that, you've heard that before. You can't have a game without pain. The work in the weight room hurts, but in the end you see the results. Practices are awful, but on that game field, you don't hear some. There's an athlete over there. They agree. Practices are awful. Practices are awful, but when you get on that game field, those hits don't seem to hurt quite as much. Through the pain, you experience gain. It's the same way in our Christian walk. The pain that we go through prepares us for the change that God has in our life. I go through difficult situations, and I feel pain, and I feel discomfort, happens, I know exactly why I went through what I went through. And you feel that blessing that God has for you in your life. See, that pain that you're going through now is a teaching moment that's going to show us the direction we have when that change is made. That's why the Bible tells us when we go through various trials to count it as joy. When you go through trials, count that as joy because that pain that you're feeling it's preparing you for the blessing that God has for you right down the road. Count it for joy because of that, that your pain is going to prepare you for the change. The next thing I want to talk to you about, and I kind of started hitting on this in the middle, so I had to stop. God isn't going to put you through pain, and He's not going to let you go until He blesses you. You're not going to go through that pain. You're not going to go through that struggle. He's not going to hold you in that spot until He blesses you. And then when He blesses you, He's going to release you from that pain. That's what Jacob went through here. You know, I'm going to go back and read just a few uh, verses here out of this. This left Jacob. He was all alone in the camp. The man came down. When the man saw that he would not win the match, when God saw... He's not going to win the match against Jacob. He did what God can do. He gave Jacob chances to surrender. Y'all see this? This doesn't show the weakness of God. And I want you to understand that. When it says that God realizes that He was not going to win the match, His match was not for victory over Jacob. His match was for Jacob's surrender to Him. 
And when God saw that he wasn't going to win the match, when he saw that Jacob wasn't going to surrender, he did what God has to do to us sometimes, and he has to hurt us. Y'all ever grown up getting spankings? Whew. Amen. My dad always spanked us and he would say, this hurts me way more than it hurts you. And I thought he was a liar until I had kids. And it's not fun to discipline your kids. It hurts. It's a different type of pain. But in order for your kids to do what you want them to do, sometimes you have to hurt them a little bit in a godly way. Boy, that sounded like I'm going to have DHS called on Y'all know what I mean. You have to... Thank you. Thank you. I've got support. You have to train them in the way that you would have them go. God had to train Jacob in the way He wanted him to go. God gave Jacob all night to surrender to Him. But Jacob continued to fight. Jacob continued to battle. Jacob continued to wrestle. And finally God said, it's almost daybreak. I've got to stop this. And the Bible says He reached down and touched Jacob's hip. And when He did that, Jacob's hip came out of socket. And it was over. For the most part, except for Jason, Jacob was still stubborn. He says, I'm not going to stop until you bless me. You know what that tells me? Jacob knew exactly who he was wrestling with. He knew exactly who he was fighting with. And all he wanted was the blessing. But he thought he had to win to get it. And the truth is, our truth is, is we can fight with God, we can wrestle with God, we can go as long as we want it to happen, but all He wants from us is our surrender to Him. And when we surrender to Him, He's going to give us that blessing that we were wanting all along that we thought we were fighting for. Jacob thought he was fighting God, so he wrestled all night long. And when God finally put him out of commission, Jacob still said, I'm not going to stop till you give me your blessing. And I want to think God looked at him and said, well, if you would have stopped five hours ago, I would have given you your blessing then. But he continued to fight. God wants us to surrender to Him whatever it is we're going through, and then we're going to see the blessing that He has for us. God changes us in seasons of pain. The pain prepares us for the blessing that God has for us. And He's not going to let us go until He blesses us. Isn't that a promise we can all be thankful for? He's not going to let us go until He blesses us. So how was Jacob changed? God tells Jacob, Jacob asked for the blessing and God says, I'm going to give you a new name. You're no longer known by the name Jacob. That means trickster, deceitful, follower. I'm going to give you the name Israel. And you're going to lead my people to what I promised them to. See, when Jacob surrendered to God, God changed his character. He went from a trickster to a leader. God changed 
his character. God changed his identity. He gave him a new name. His name went from Jacob to Israel. The third thing is God changed his purpose. His purpose now was to lead the establishment of the nation of Israel, which is one of our best friends today. Which is why we as a country always have to support Israel. But I want to end with this and tie this all together. We can wrestle with God. We can fight with God. We can go through these challenges. God's not going to let us go until we surrender to Him. And when we surrender to Him, He's going to give us that blessing. But think about this. When He blessed Jacob, He changed His character, He changed His identity, and He changed His purpose. When I accepted Christ as my Savior and I became a saved child of God, He changed my character, He changed my identity, and He changed my purpose. See, what happened to Jacob is a picture of salvation in the New Testament. What Jacob went through in the Old Testament is symbolism of salvation in the New Testament because when I got saved, He changed my character. The things I did in the past, I don't want to do anymore. I want to move forward in that relationship with Him. I want to build a more Christ-like life. I want to be an example for others to bring people to Christ to have this relationship that I have. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes every day. But the mistakes bother me and that I grow from them, I repent from them, and I turn and go the other way. He changed my character. He changed who I was into now who I am. And I don't know if you heard the song, if you got here early enough, the song, I am who I am because I am said I am. I am who I am because the I am said that's who I am. Isn't that good stuff? My character was changed because the I am said it was supposed to be. Man, that's good. That's good. So He changed my character when He saved me. He changed my identity. I'm no longer David Preston. I'm a child of the King. That's my identity. That's who I am. I don't care what my name is. The title that matters the most to me is I'm a child of the important to me. And I pray that that name and that title is important to you. He'll change your identity and then He will change your purpose. What is today? What is your number one goal? What is your number one purpose? What do you want to achieve? Yes, we all have different things in our specific lives with our jobs, with our families we have to accomplish and we have to push for. But bigger than that, this is a big picture item. What are you wanting to do? When you leave this service today and someone sees you out in the town, are they going to be able to see Jesus through you? That's your purpose. Are they going to be able to see Jesus through you and through your actions? If they don't, if they don't, then check your character, check your identity. And if that's in sound place where it needs to be, then redefine your purpose because you're missing the mission that God has for us. When you become a Christian, just like He did with Jacob, He's going to change your character, your identity, and your purpose.
when Coach Frank said this the other day, and I think it's a great, great way to wrap this up. The Bible says that Jesus is standing at the door and knocking. And if you answer that door, He's going to come in. He's going to enter your life. Those of y'all that have kids or have kids, y'all know, you're all going to know exactly what I'm talking about. This morning, I was getting the twins. We have four-year-old twins, for those of y'all that don't know us. I was getting them a snack out of the refrigerator, and I was telling them to hurry because I had to go and get up here on time. And McKinley said, where are we going to go today, Daddy? And I looked at her and I said, we're going to church. And she said, are we going to real church? And I'm like, well, yeah, it's real church, but it's going to be in the cars. And she went, she growled. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, I'm ready to go to our real church. Four-year-old. And I said, sweetie, I am too. But right now, God's provided a way for us to still have church. And I'm thankful we're here. But she's ready to get back to her building. And I want to be really theological and say it's because she knows that's where God is. The human side of me says she knows that's where the toys are. And the nursery is. But either way it goes, she's learning about God while she's there. Which matters. But I also know at night when we're in the bed and they're in their bed and they wake up and they get scared and they can't open the door, how do they knock? Is it a quiet knock you can barely hear? Well, no, we're asleep. If they knock like that, we're not going to hear. But when they need us, when they need their parents, they beat on the door. They knock on the door. They knock with a purpose. Because they need their daddy's attention. They need their mama's attention. So they knock with a purpose. When we're wrestling with God and we're trying to fight with God and find out exactly what He wants for us, knock with a purpose. You need your Father. That first question I ask, have you ever prayed so hard that God didn't have a choice but to answer your prayer. He wants to answer your prayer. Knock with a purpose. Knock so hard that He comes to the door asking, what do you need, child? Let me rescue you from whatever it is that has you afraid. Then the Bible also tells us that Jesus is standing at the door knocking to the door of your heart. And I promise you, He's knocking with a purpose. He's knocking in a way to make you come and answer that door. And for some reason, we fight it. We hear it. We hear that knock. But He's knocking with a purpose. Wanting to come into your life. And all you have to do is open the door. You know, the Bible tells us in Psalms, that we may weep throughout the night but joy comes in the morning Jacob wept 
throughout the night. He wrestled throughout the night. He fought throughout the night. But his joy came in the morning. Whatever battle you're fighting right now, this is the night of your life. It's the darkest part of your life right now if you're fighting a battle and you might not know what's going to come out of it. But joy will come in the morning. It's been promised. It's been guaranteed. And my God to this day still has never failed. And He's not going to fail you now. Believe in that. And believe in Him. We might weep through the night. But joy is coming into the morning in the morning. Knock with the purpose and seek him. You might feel him knocking on your door right now. And you might say, you know what? I've been fighting God for a long time. I've been in a night that seemed to last 30 years. But I'm ready for it to be morning. I'm ready to feel those blessings and feel that salvation that you talked about. I want a new character. I want a new identity. I want a new purpose. We're going to give you that opportunity right now. I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to ask you all as you sit in your cars to say it with me. If you know you're saved, if you know where you stand with God, say it in support of someone who might not. This doesn't mean it changes your salvation. This just means that you're supporting someone else who might be struggling right now. If you don't know who God is, I'm going to ask you to say this prayer with me. Guys, I want to make this abundantly clear. There's no magic words to accepting Christ into your heart. The key is, is do you open those doors and you let Him in? It's a heart change. It's a hard change. I can't tell you whether or not you've accepted Christ or not. That's something only you can know. But I can tell you this. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you confess your sins, you will be saved. It doesn't say you might. It doesn't say if you're good enough. It doesn't say if you pass the test. It doesn't say any of that. It says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that He is Lord of your life, you will be saved. If you want that opportunity, we're going to give that to you right now. Repeat this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I love You, Lord. I thank You for dying on the cross for me. I admit I'm a sinner. I believe You died. I believe You rose again on the third day. I thank You for being Lord of your, my life. I invite You into my heart to be my King. Lord, thank You for changing my character. Thank You for changing my identity. And Lord, lead me to fulfill my purpose. Thank You for saving me. In Your name we pray. Amen. If you just said that prayer and meant it in your heart for the first time, the Bible says that you have accepted Christ as your Savior and you've gained eternity in heaven. It's that simple. A lot of times we try to make Christianity too hard. It's that simple. If you just said that for the first time, congratulations for the decision that you've made. And I believe somebody here had to have said it.
I'm just going off of my gut, but I don't know, but I'm thankful that you did. If you're fighting a battle, stop wrestling with God, surrender to God, and let Him bless you. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast from Crossroads, South Arkansas. If you're in our area, we would love to have you join us in person for a service. Crossroads, South Arkansas, reaching, inviting, serving, and expecting.